Gazette Newspapers presents the Parting Shots Podcast. Now, here's your host, Daily Gazette Associate Sports Editor, Ken Schott. Thank you, Scott Deasy, and welcome to the Parting Shots Podcast. Available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and CastBox. Subscribe today. Thanks for joining me from the Parting Shots Podcast studio in Schenectady, New York. Well, it's MAC tournament time as uh, Seattle men, the top seed in the tournament, get set to uh, play their game quarterfinal game on Wednesday against the winner of either Fairfield or Manhattan. The game will be played on Tuesday, and we are posting this podcast a day early in, in honor of that. And uh, the man will be covering those games down in Atlantic City at, at Boardwalk Hall. Jim Whalen Boardwalk Hall should have had that now. Uh, last time I was down, it was just plain old boardwalk hall, but uh, that's another time. Uh, we'll talk about that later. But uh, Mike Kelly's joining me now, the sports editor of the Daily Gazette. Uh, Mike, uh, welcome back to the podcast. Second straight week. How's things going? Things are things are uh, particularly busy I on can... this uh, MAC tournament eve Monday. Yes, uh, we, as Mike mentioned, we are taping this on Monday, and uh, I was over there to get some uh, sound for the uh, podcast, and uh, lo and behold, some breaking news happened while we were there at the uh, um, I don't know if it caught us off guard, but the Seattle uh, men's program has put on uh, three years probation by the NCAA over some violation that happened under, during the uh, Jimmy Patsos era. Uh, talk about that a little bit, uh, Mike. Uh, how surprised were you about this? Yeah, well, this was something that, um, you know, it was known it was coming at some point because, I mean, there had been an investigation, you know, that, that Siena had, had started and, um, you know, they knew that they had done that, that the program, that there had been some things done incorrectly. Um, so this was, uh, I mean, a matter of, of when, not if. Um, the three years probation is not, you know, basically that means that the program has to, you know, do some additional reporting on itself to the NCAA. Um, it doesn't affect anything in terms of, you know, scholarships or, you know, its ability to play in the NCAA tournament, um, things of that nature. Um, but yeah, I mean, a series of, of violations, you know, very thoroughly detailed within the NCAA's report, which came out Monday morning, um, you know, about, uh, you know, impermissible uh, benefits given to players ranging from, you know, relatively small amounts of cash to, uh, you know, basically uh, like rides, uh, long distance rides uh, given to players, um, as well as some other violations, um, you know, related to uh, basically the, the stewardship of the program, um, but yeah, I mean the, the penalty is just as a as a real quick rundown. Three years of probation. We we kind of detailed what that meant. Um, a five thousand dollar fine for the program um, for Jimmy Pastos, who isn't officially named in the report at all. Um, but but nobody is. <laughs> but the the seasons uh, the seasons of record are, are the seasons that he was the head coach. He has a a three year show cause uh, penalty for him. Um, you know, if he opts to, to try to coach again. Um, and then, uh, you know, there's, there's an issue of a booster that the program's no longer allowed to have uh, any real contact with for basically the next three years. Um, and then, you know, I think the, the thing that's probably, you know, in terms of people who follow the program, who, you know, are interested in the records of the program and everything, the thing that's going to matter the most is the, the three season question, which are the last three of Jimmy Patsos' tenure as the coach, so 2015-16 through 2017-18. Um, it, it's not 100% certain on that yet, but, but basically all the wins from those three seasons are going to be removed. That's That's the most likely outcome here, at least a very high percentage of them. Um, and then as well as players from that time, their individual statistics will get wiped out. 
um, you know, when you're looking at uh, basically the record book, um, you know, next year for Sienna, it'll look a lot different than it did uh, for, for this year. Yeah, I mean, uh, Athletic Director John uh, Dargenio talked about that. We'll have uh, his comments a little bit later here on the podcast. But all in all, I mean, it's, it's not a major violation, but it's a violation that I mean, it's, it doesn't seem, you know, talking with the players and the coaches uh, there, it, it seems it really didn't bother them much because it doesn't affect them. Yeah, well, and for the players, you know, so just to, to go back for a second there, the reason why, you know, the, the team records and the stats would get removed is because, you know, retroactively all those players, or, or at least a, a large number of them, it's 28 players in all, 28 different players from those three seasons were, were involved in some form. Um, you know, they were technically ineligible. Um, so, but but for those players who are, you know, players who are currently in the program who are around for any of those seasons, there's three of them. Um, they, along with other players going into last season, had to basically pay back money that they would have received to, you know, at, at charities of their choice um, to regain their eligibility. So, so for the players, it doesn't, you know, I think at this point it doesn't really affect, you know, or bother them because, you know, they probably put the issue behind them you know, summer of, you know, spring or summer of 2018. Um, so for them, it's, you know, they, they knew what had happened, and it's kind of old news for them. All right, let's look ahead to the MAC tournament, uh, which started on Tuesday and uh, with some first-round games. Uh, got the, the Saints, uh, top seed, as we said, uh, they seem pretty excited. They're really uh, you know, nine-game winning streak heading in. They're best of, best of both worlds. They started playing better on the road. They're going to be playing in the neutral site at Atlantic City. It seems like this team has an air of confidence about it as they head down to uh, the Jersey Shore. Sure. I mean, they've won nine games in a row. So, I mean, they feel, you know, they feel pretty good going into the tournament, obviously. And, you know, the fact that they, you know, they're, they're home versus road, uh, the discrepancy in the success <laughs> throughout their season was was very well chronicled. Um, though the the fact that they're undefeated at home, though, that you know, if you look at that, that means they beat everybody in the MAC at least once. Um, so they go into this tournament knowing that they can beat everybody and that they have. Um, they'll either play Manhattan or Fairfield in that first game. Um, they swept Fairfield. They split with Manhattan. Um, and, I, you know, I think the thing that's, that's uh, you know, advantageous for them, besides the fact that they get to play the winner of that game, you know, basically 24 hours later after they played while Sienna gets to rest, is Manhattan and Fairfield fairly similar in terms of how they try to win games, which is through defense. Um, so, you know, I, the prep for those two teams is different, but I think it's similar enough that, uh, you know, it's not like Sienna has to, in the last, you know, 20 hours before that game, has to, you know, really figure out a game plan. I mean, they're going down to Atlantic City, and uh, knowing the area as well as they do, having grown up in Philadelphia, and I've been there many times. I cover the ECAC Hockey uh, Tournament Championship round down there in 2013, 2012 and 2013. What is the excitement level, you think, of going down there? You know, this is the first for a three-year deal down there. Knowing that, uh, I, I know for the fact that uh, when I cover the college union down there, they didn't draw. I mean, it was it lots of seats available, and it seems like the, the – uh, the, the uh, public down there in Lang City didn't even know what was going on. Yeah, I mean, I think that's what's going to be the case for at least most of this week is, you know, pretty much uh, at least a mostly empty building. That, I mean, that's my expectation. Um, you know, the, I mean, the MAC tournament's history is if it's not in Albany, it's not drawing well, which is why it's ended up in Albany so often. Um, I think, you know, there, there's obviously a... Uh, you know, 
know, an extenuating circumstance away from the court that maybe would affect some people wanting to, to go to, uh, you know, a sporting event and arena this week. Um, that, you know, I'm sure there's going to be some effect from that. Um, I think the thing that, you know, let's, let's say, you know, everything's normal. Um, I think the thing that's, uh, troublesome attendance wise for the tournament this week is the fact that Siena is the number one seed. Um, they're going to play on Wednesday. If they win, they get Thursday off and then they would play Friday, uh, in a semifinal. Um, you know, Siena's fans are the ones that travel the best. (laughs) And, you know, most likely if you're a fan of Siena, you're probably not going to go down for that Wednesday game since, you know, they're not going to play Thursday. So I'd imagine the, you know, at least the majority of Siena fans probably start showing up Friday. Um, So for Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday of the tournament, it'll be, you know, really interesting to see how how many of those open seats there are. And of course, this year the tournament is a week later than in normal. You know, normally, you know, the the tournament, as we take Monday night, the tournament would have been, the championship game would have been Monday night. Uh, but uh, obviously, a week later this year. Why did why did the MAC decide to go a week later with this? Yeah, so it has to do with, um, as I understood it, there's like a, a very large high school wrestling tournament that takes place in New Jersey that that affected the basically the availability of the building. Um, so yes, I mean normally. Uh, so this year the tournament starts on March 10th, which is a Tuesday. And normally the tournament would have ended the Monday night before this year's tournament starts. Mm-hmm. Um, so it is later. Um, you know, don't think it will really have any effect on gameplay. Um, it does affect, you know, the timing of the championship. Normally it's been that 9 o'clock Monday night final. Um, this year it's going to be a, you know, basically a, a late afternoon Saturday final. Um, but, you know, I, I think we, I mean, we were both, uh, you know, over with uh, Sienna earlier and, yeah, I think Jalen Pickett was the one who said, you know, like, I've only ever played in this tournament once, so, you know, the format doesn't really, <laughs> you know, mean a whole lot to me because he doesn't necessarily have that experience that, you know, a fan or, or you know, somebody else might have with, you know, kind of the arrangement of it. So I, I don't really think it'll uh, affect too much uh, gameplay, gameplay-wise, if at all. What does CNN have to do to win this tournament and get the automatic bid to the NCAAs? Sure. I mean, uh, you know, be themselves. Um, you know, any tournament, you know, you're going to need, you know, probably some luck along the way, um, you know, especially in a conference where, you know, there is a fair amount of parity. Um, but, you know, I, I think coming into this year, um, I mean, Siena was picked sixth, so I guess some people could be surprised that they're, you know, where they are. But, you know, I think people who really follow this understood that they were the team that, you know, had the most high-end talent on their roster and it was a question of whether or not you know it could come together in a year because you know besides Manny Camper and Jalen Pickett um you know it was mostly a team that really hadn't played together in games before this season um so I mean I I think the answer is just they need to be themselves and you know if they play up to you know their highest level game is better than anybody else in the conferences um, so it's just a matter of how close they can get to that and how consistently they can get to that for, you know, what they'll need to win three games in four days. I know it's a, it's a, simple, a simple question about uh, Carl Massarello. Is he, you know, how has he done? Obviously, he's done a great job, uh, got him to first place. How has he evolved this year as the head coach in his first year? Sure. I think 
you. You know, I, I think one thing that really sticks out is he's been a lot better in the second half of the season and, and, and you know, probably even just the second half of the second half of the season where there's been a large jump in, in terms of uh, his clock management, in terms of being able to get his, you know, his stars some extra rest. Um, you know, I, I think especially with, with guys like, like Jalen Pickett, Manny Camp, or guys who play, you know, at the beginning of the year they were playing 40 minutes a game. Um, you know, and he's got that down to a more manageable, you know, they're, they're in that 32 to 35 range, and, you know, he's getting them out before, you know, the media timeouts. You know, if, you know, anytime there's a whistle with, you know, let's say 16 minutes and 10 seconds left and a half, you know, he's getting those guys out to, you know, basically steal them some extra rest around that timeout. Um, so I think his management of that has, you know, improved a lot throughout the year. Um, you know, besides that, I think he's just had the real, I, I think he has a, a, you know, a pretty calm but strong demeanor on the sideline um, that this team has, you know, has really responded to and it's, it's helped them, you know, especially when things weren't going, you know, great, you know, basically before, you know, they started winning all these games uh, in conference play. Yeah. Well, let's uh, quick uh, wrap up the UAlbany season. Uh, their season ended Saturday, uh, the loss at Stony Brook in the America East quarterfinals. Uh, uh, Cameron Healy uh, had a great game that night. Uh, he seemed re- ready to to take his team on the back, but unfortunately uh, they fell short. I mean, it was just a tough way to end the season. They they they, you know, they were the opposite of Seattle. They had a really long losing streak heading into the tournament. Uh, how disappointing was the season for the Great Danes? Yeah, I mean that's kind of um, it's kind of a tough question to fully answer because you know I think what was disappointing was the injuries and how that limited, you know, basically their ability to, to play up to their, to their potential. Um, you know, I think you look at the game the other, the other day that ended their season, you know, and they end up playing a three point playoff game with Stony Brook, which, you know, I think if we were, you know, before the year we would have said, oh, okay, so they made it to the semis and, you know, they, they played a really tough semifinal, but instead they had to play that game around early um, Cameron Healy, as, as you said, I mean, he was he was great the other day after, you know, really struggling for, you know, basically a month now with kind of a hip-back issue. Um, so, I mean, I think it was disappointing for them that the way that, it, you know, their, their season ended, but I think it was probably more disappointing just the way the season played out in terms of never I – mean, I don't know if they ever had a game where all their scholarship players were available at the same time. Um, if they did, it was one, maybe two. Well, uh, I hope you enjoy uh, Atlantic City, and uh, where can people follow you on Twitter uh, for your coverage while you're down there? Sure, at by Michael Kelly. That's uh, B-Y Michael Kelly. Okay, and if I would recommend one place for you to go to to get something to eat, it's the White House uh, Sub Shop. It's uh, been a staple in Atlantic City for uh, many years, and it still looks the same uh, even when I was going down there in the late 70s with my grandparents. They have all these uh, photos of uh, famous people from the cities in the early days, and the Beatles are there, Muhammad Ali. So if you get a chance, uh, you know, check it out. I'll return next week on this podcast, full report. Yes, I w- if you want to bring one sub back for me, I wouldn't mind that. <laughs> might not be fresh. I'll, I'll get it on Tuesday. I will bring it back for you, and you can have it a uh, week late. Sounds You're good. welcome in advance. All right, thanks, Mike. That's Mike Kelly, the sports editor of the Daily Gazette. Uh, coming up, we'll have interviews with members of the Seattle team and uh, also head coach Carver Mazzarello. You're listening to the Pony Shots podcast, available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and CastBox.
Hi, I'm CNN Mental Cross Coach Liam Gleason, and you're listening to the Parting Shots Podcast with Daily Gazette Associate Sports Editor Ken Shop. Back on the Parting Shots Podcast. And as I mentioned at the top of the show, I went over to uh, Siena on Monday to get interviews with some of the players and head coach Carmen Massarello. Let's begin with Elijah Burns. Excitement level going down to Atlantic City uh, for you guys. We're super excited. We're super excited about the opportunity to be able to compete. Uh, you know, these games coming up, we're really looking forward to it. I mean, obviously, you have the tournament here at home because you guys have played undefeated at home. How disappointing is it not to be able to have this tournament at home and have to go down to Atlantic City? I mean, we're, we're not really disappointed about it. Anywhere we can compete as a team, we're going we're gonna to bring our A game and be ready to go. What were your thoughts on making the second team all man? I truly appreciate it. You know, it's, a, it's an amazing honor to be able to make the second team. I'm just excited for our team. That's not really my focus. I really want to win a MAC championship. So being able to get our team ready to go for the tournament is what I'm really focused on right now. How does it affect uh, that preparation that you don't know yet? Who are you playing? doesn't really affect us too much. We're going to get after it today and just focus on getting better and prepare for both teams and, and get ready to play on Wednesday night. To get ready to play in a building you haven't been in before, how do you mm-hmm. kind of get used to that, the sh- different shooting background everything? For me, I haven't played in a lot of the away game, a lot of the away gym, so I'm just looking forward to get there. We'll get some reps on, uh, on Wednesday morning and we'll be ready to go Wednesday night. Atlantic City recently hosted the ECAC Hockey Tournament and the people didn't show up there. Are you concerned about the, maybe the lack of – fans down there? I just know my team will be there and be ready to compete. That's all we're really worried about. Up next is Jalen Pickett. How excited is this team uh, for the MAC tournament, uh, knowing you have a, you know, a couple days here to get ready for it? I'm really excited. Well, um, we got a good seed. Um, we like who we're playing against and what's going to happen there. And we're just really excited to get out there together. we got a win streak kind of going right now. We're just trying to keep the momentum flowing. In a year where you're undefeated at home, do you wish the tournament was still here, Jalen, or how do you feel about having to move it from Albany down to Atlantic City? I'm um, definitely wish the tournament was here. Um, we played well at home. We defended home court. And, you know, you just got to think if it was here this year, we definitely probably had it, you know, but we got to go on the road. It just gives another challenge for the tournament. It's also a different schedule this year. Normally the tournament would win the first weekend of March and you guys be having a week off, but to have this tournament now and go, go right into the NCAA or the, the postseason after that, what does that mean? Is that, is that different preparation for that? Um, well, I've only done it for one year, so then this year, I mean, it's kind of different, I guess, but, you know, we're just focusing on what we have at hand. Um, Coach Carmen just sees another great challenge for us. So you mentioned one year, you played in a couple of Mac tournament games last year. Just, what do you remember from that experience? What do you try to take from that as you head toward these, uh, these one-and-done games in the tournament? Um, games definitely more intense, um, more focused there. I think um, emotions are a little high in those games, especially for, like, seniors and juniors. So I think we just need to really control our emotions, get the fans involved, and you know, see what happens. How was it different pairing for one of two teams? This, you know, last year you knew you were going to play Ryder in the first game. This time you got to prepare for one of two. How are you going to do that? Um, well, we're going to see what Coach Carm does with that. That's his job. But I mean, we played both those teams already, so we know what they want to do. So we'll probably compare. We're we'll probably prepare for both of them just a little bit, and then probably really prepare for them after we figure out who wins. Atlantic City has hosted a lot of college sports events, but unfortunately, the fans don't seem to. The residents of Atlantic City don't seem to come out and support it. Are you concerned maybe the, the lack of an atmosphere could be, uh, be a factor down there? Um, I don't think so. We've had a good turnout with our fans um, coming out to a lot of the road games recently, and we're in it right now. So I know my family will be there, and I know a lot of our teammates' families will be there. So as long as our loved ones are there, I think we'll be okay. Jalen, what does it mean to be uh, first-team All-Mac? Um, I mean, two years in a row, I mean, it's great. Um, just got to keep working. I mean, it's great right now that I got that word, but I got it last year too. And right now I'm just really trying to win a MAC title. Coming into this season, coming off of last year, you had such a great year. What were your expectations for yourself coming into this season? 
Um, really just to try and improve defensively, um, try to limit my turnovers from last year and maybe shoot a little better. I know that was one of the biggest things I got to get better at is more being a consistent shooter. How important is it to keep this momentum going that you built towards the end of the regular season? Um, it's very important. Um, it was a time to get hot. We had a good month of February going into March. So, I mean, now is the time that it all really counts and all really matters. Jill, why do you think the last couple of weeks, last last few games especially, your assists have gone um, so Offensively, what's kind of changed for you guys? That you're more of that playmaking role for others than maybe for yourself? Um, well, it all starts with defense. We know that we're a good team to transition. So when we can get it out and I can get the ball and just get in transition and just feed like Gary and Manning and just feed Elijah in the right spots and get down and different people over shots, it's just easier to score in transition. And I think our defense stepping up is making it easier on our offense. How happy were you to see Manny and Elijah also get some recognition on versus um, I was really happy. Man doesn't get nearly enough credit. Um, he did get a player of the week all year, and he's been averaging a double-double. I mean, I think one game he had um, 20 and almost 20. He didn't get anything for it. And, I mean, man, he's really been just, like, underrated all year. So I'm really happy to see him get first team. And then for Elijah, you know, um, struggled at Notre Dame, but then, you know, came here, and he's really bounced back. He's been a great player. You know, you just need the right coach and the right system, I feel. Jalen, coronavirus is a big topic of discussion now. Do the players worry about that at all, or, or your families being there, being in, a, in an arena, and, and your own fans, you know? Um, well, my mom has been to all the games, so I don't know. Uh, the coronavirus, I don't know anything about that, really. Not really focused on that. I just hope everybody, they allow us to have fans. Yeah, I mean, I play for fans. I play to love fans. I'm kind of like LeBron James when he said he doesn't want to play if the fans aren't there. I want to play with fans. I've always played in every game with fans. I think fans are an important part of the game. I think now they're reminding the players, they're skipping the handshake line now, or they're telling you to, the guys have to remember not to shake hands in the handshake line. Yeah, definitely. I um, definitely want to use hand sanitizer after that. I mean, anything's going around, so, you know, you just got to watch it out. Jalen, why do you think Benny uh, kind of flies from the river? He did get first team on that, so the conference, you know, but he seemed to do it all season long. Um, I honestly don't know. I mean, man is a great player, and he does a great thing. Maybe he's not the flashiest player. I mean, he has a couple big dunks, but other than that, I don't know. Man, he just doesn't have the ball as much. He's not so much so braggy about it. I think he just goes on the radar, does his business, and then just comes out and wins for us. Next is Manny Camper. So what's the excitement level like heading down Atlantic City? Uh, it's very exciting. You know, March is always the best time of the year. You know, a lot of basketball going on. So we're just excited, you know, we're going to focus on today, you know, one day at a time, get better today so that we can be ready when it's our time to play down there. How about making All-Mac first team? Do you see that as a reward for all the work you put in during the offseason? Oh, definitely. It's a blessing, but um, I don't think it'll compare to, you know, winning the MAC title, which is our ultimate goal. Jalen was saying that he thinks that you sometimes fly under the radar in terms of recognition. Um, do you ever feel that way? Um, I'm not too, you know, I don't really focus on recognition and things like that. Um, I think our team success, you know, that's my main focus is our team success. You know, so winning a championship, doing whatever I can, you know, to do that is, you know, my ultimate goal and, you know, my purpose for this team. Any concerns about the coronavirus and maybe not having fans down there at Atlantic City? Our fans have been great all year. Um, but, you know, if we had to, with or without them, you know, if we had to play without them, um, we have each other. You know, we're a connected group, you know, and I think uh, we can still get the job done. You almost wish this year was the tournament was, was still in Albany instead of Atlantic City, the way you guys played at home this year? Uh, it would have been great, but, you know, the game doesn't change, you know. We're still going to go out there play the same game. I think we've grown on the road and, and showed the last few games, so we're going to go play with the same energy that we've been playing with. Manny, where do you think you, your game has taken the biggest jump from last year? Um, I just uh, think the first two years, you know, with the first year I haven't didn't really play that much. So just getting adjusted to the speed, the tempo. 
um, working on my body, so physically and things like that, and just being smarter mentally. So just all around, you know, just focusing on every aspect of the game in the offseason. It's preparing me for me to have a great year like this year. Finally, head coach Carmen Massarello. Carmen, how important was it to play well away from Simon Union Center as you got down the stretch here, knowing that the tournament was going to be on a neutral court? I mean, we always want to play well, so, you know, regardless where the venue is, where our games are being played, no matter how many fans or lack of fans, it doesn't matter to us. You know, this team's on a journey, you're trying to get better every day, and, you know, we just wanted to be playing our best basketball in February leading into March. Do you almost wish the tournament was here this year because of the way you played home this year? No, I mean, that'd be great, but can't ever worry about that or look back and say I wish this I wish that I mean when I was at Fairfield and we were the number one seed we got upset by St. Peter's in the arena at Harbor Yard and you know they ended up going on to win it so you got to make the most of your opportunity and it doesn't matter where the game is being played to be honest with you. How do you handle preparing for two teams at this point? Uh, I mean we're worried about ourselves I mean both of those teams are big physical tough uh, you know, Manhattan will play some zone. Fairfield's going to play a stingy man-to-man. Um, but there's some similarities with things, and there's some similarities with how they guard. So you just work on the commonalities, and then, uh, you know, you go from there. But you're working on yourself. You're making sure all your, you know, ducks are in a row, for lack of a better term, with execution and um, effort and, you know, wrinkles to things that you think may be seen. What can you say about Danny, Elijah, and Jalen to get on the first and second Oh, super proud of him. You know, obviously for Elijah, you know, I would have wished he was on first team. I thought he was deserving, more than deserving. But for a player that, you know, basically didn't have a career till he came here, you know, with the, the roller coaster he was on at Notre Dame to come home and to basically the plan we laid out for him come to fruition. For him to have a great year, for him to show that he could be an inside-out threat and to be one of the best forwards in the conference. Yeah, Don, may, Don may not have made it on conference team, but the way he's playing right now, how important is he to you guys going forward? I mean, everyone on this roster is super important to the team. Don obviously is a key key cog. He's a starter, and, uh, you know, he's been able to do what we've asked. He's been that X factor. He's been able to get timely buckets for us. He's been guarding the other team's best player. You know, he's really good at chasing guys off screens. And, uh, you know, him just like Manny, Jalen, uh, obviously, you know, George Darwish has played some recently, and then you got Sammy Kyle and Elijah up front. Gary Harris, I thought, has done a great job, you know, since he's been inserted into the starting lineup. I think we lost two conference games. That's it. Any chance you have Matt available for the tournament? Uh, we'll see. I mean, I hope. I hope. I mean, I'm not sure, uh, you know, everyone's body's different with recovering to getting an appendectomy, and when it's all said and done, there's no real damage that can happen now. Obviously, nothing can explode because it's not in his body anymore. You know what, I just wanted to get better every day. Obviously, you, you know, you can always plan and have plans and, you know, have a detailed philosophy of how you want to run a program, but it's not to you're kind of thrown into it that you can go through that real kind of time experience. Uh, so, you know, I wanted to make sure these guys were all taken care of and the, the brand of basketball was the brand of basketball I wanted to play and that I enjoyed playing and coaching and, uh, you know, just happy with their effort and just happy with these guys that they get to enjoy, you know, being able to have a legacy. You know, no one will forget this is the first year we won a, a regular season championship outright, and it hasn't been 10 years since that's happened. And so when that's said and done, no one can take that from this group, and now we close that chapter and we're on to, you know, the conference tournament, which is a whole nother book. With the, you know, I know you have still more games to play here, but looking back on the full season, how would you say, uh, how would you, what grade would you, would you give yourself? 
I'm not into grading anything. You know, we want to get better every day, and I think our record speaks for itself with how we improve throughout the season. That's why I wanted to play a challenging non-conference record or challenging non-conference slate. And, uh, you know, when it's all said and done, there were some speed bumps and some, you know, potholes. But, you know, you overcome that and you learn how to deal with it and your team grows from it. And I think that's all we're doing is trying to grow every day, and I think we're doing a pretty good job of that. I know it's very fresh. What's your reaction to the violations of the uh, I mean, you know, it is what it is. I wasn't here at the helm. I know uh, our compliance and our athletic director have done the necessary steps to, you know, rectify those problems. And I think uh, John Dargenio will be speaking on those later. Is Matt able to practice? He has not practiced it yet. He's over there shooting. I mean, will he do anything today? Uh, he may try to ride the bike. Yeah, he won't do anything live today. As you said, you've kind of brought the luster back to the jersey this season. Is something like this does hurt the luster of the program no, nope. I mean, that was how many years ago? Not worried about it. Coronavirus, you worry about that? Because we see with RPI hockey, not going to have spectators at their playoff games this weekend. Do you worry about that down in Atlantic City? I don't have any worries except making sure these uh, 17 guys are taken care of in, in a great place. You know, we'll do all the necessary steps to make sure guys are washing their hands and hand sanitizers in the MAC conference and Coach Enzer, or Commissioner Enzer, I call him Coach Enzer sometimes, but he, uh, you know, he's making sure there's protocols in, in place and they're going to make sure the locker rooms are cleaned. And so, you know, I'm not really worried about that. And to be honest, that stuff's all out of our control. You know, we can control our own selves and, you know, how clean we are, but at the end of the day, you know, if there's one person in the arena or if there's 15,000, for us it doesn't matter. It's about these guys coming to work every single day and, you know, enjoying each other. Will you go watch Tuesday night's game live? Yep, yep, we'll all go. Uh, we'll have practice here tomorrow, and then we'll get on the bus around 11, 11.30, go have some lunch down in Atlantic City, watch the game as a, as a, as a program, and then uh, guys will have dinner, and then we'll start our prep with whoever we're playing. As a coach, do you get much out of a live scout? you sit there watching the game? Uh, I mean, Pretty much now, teams are who they are, and especially with Manhattan playing Fairfield the last game of the regular season, uh, you see what different tweaks they do. Uh, but if I'm not mistaken, Fairfield swept Manhattan. You know, they beat them at Alumni Hall, and then they just beat them at Dratty. So, you know, it's going to be a good game, physical game, and then we'll get to, you know, get a team's best shot that next day because everyone wants to beat the number one seed, and we'll be ready. Hi, this is UAlbany football coach Greg Atuso. You're listening to the Parting Shots podcast with Daily Gazette Associate Sports Editor Ken Schott. Back on the Parting Shots podcast, Sienna Athletic Director John Dargenio met the media on Monday. It wasn't to discuss the MAC tournament, but NCAA violations that took place under previous head coach Jimmy Patsos. Does it in any way affect your NCAA tournament uh, eligibility? No, not at all. There's no postseason ban. There's nothing like that. Uh, in fact, any penalties we had were the, were the minimum that could have been given out for this type of infraction. So no games forfeited either? Uh, there are some games where there's a vacation of records from those few years where some players played when they were technically ineligible. It said that the coach gave out uh, small amounts of cash to players. What's a small amount? How much money was being given? You know, I don't know the exact amounts. I think it was any ranged anywhere from like 10 to $50 to distribute amongst the group. So it said it was done after wins. Was this basically a reward to players for winning games? Uh, uh, I don't know if it was 
exactly when it was. I just think it was dollars to eat with was my understanding. Um, whether it was after games or practice, I'm not 100% sure, quite honestly. So at this point, do you not know, like those three seasons that are affected, uh, the, the wins that would have to be vacated, do you guys don't have an accounting of that yet? We do. I think it's all of them, if I'm not mistaken. But we'll certainly – it's all in the detail there. But I'm pretty sure it's any game where a player played when they had gotten some money and they're ineligible for it. So my understanding, that's all of them. And what does the what does the three years of probation entail exactly? Uh, we just really have to report on what we're continuing to do, what we started to do in terms of corrective action, monitoring, and just reporting back in terms of those activities that we keep undertaking. What measures have you taken to ensure this doesn't happen again? Uh, continue to educate, re-educate, more monitoring, uh, better connection between coaches administrative staff in athletic department and in other parts on campus to make sure you know everything is followed and all the i's are dotted t's are crossed when did you guys become aware of the allegations just this morning uh the allegations or the penalties the, uh, the allegations uh so you, when, when did you find out that the, you were being investigated oh so actually we found out ourselves what the issues were uh, about a year and a half ago and then we self-reported those to the ncaa uh, we had an outside group come in and help us with the investigation, and then all that was, as I said, self-reported, and then we were working with the NCA the last year and change on it. Was there um, any surprise that there was a release of a report today, or were you expecting that? Or? Uh, we weren't exactly expecting it. We knew uh, we had gotten a heads up on Friday that we'd be getting something today, so it was really short notice. You meant uh, the, the team records get, the, like those wins get vacated. I think the report also said that individual records of, of ineligible players would be vacated. That's correct. I guess, so do we know which players that is and which records are affected with that? Uh, no, yeah, we're going through all that. So we'll go through and match up the players with the records and go through the record book and make the adjustments. So don't have an answer for you right now. That would just mean players would drop on the, you know, the career scoring list and things of rebound. That's my understanding, that. yeah. How soon will you, will you know that? How soon? Uh, I think we've got with about 14 days where we have to get that information turned around and sent back to the NCAA. To have this report drop, you, know, you guys are on the verge of a pretty special season right now, yeah. guys. Just put a damp work kind of a black eye on things at all. Actually, I don't think it does. Actually, I think it kind of helps us. It puts everything to bed. It puts us behind us. You know, we understand what we did wrong. We understand what coaches at the time did wrong. Took the corrective action, and now now it's done. It's over with. Few players at this point on the current team who were on those teams, or at mm -hmm. least on one of those teams. I like, guess are any of those current players uh, affected, involved with this? No, anybody that had gotten dollars impermissibly, they all paid the money back to charities of their choice, uh, and it ranged anywhere from eleven dollars to a hundred dollars, I think. So they then had to pay that back to a charity of their choice. They did that, so then their eligibility was immediately restored. And this was, I don't know, about a year and a half ago, before last season. So before Jamie and season. Correct. So That's how we term it now, Jamie and season. <laughs> so players who are now who are on the team, who players are on the team now, who are on the team then, were among the players who were all the players were receiving some kind of money. There, I think they, yeah, I think they distributed amongst everybody on the roster because they didn't know who actually got it, and sometimes it was given to one person to share with others. So they just looked at everybody on the roster. Up next. I'll have sound from Sunday's press conference at RPI when the school announced that the hockey team will not have spectators for its quarterfinals matchup 
against Harvard in the ECAC Hockey Tournament. You're listening to the Party Shots Podcast, available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and CastBox. Back on the podcast, on Sunday, RPI announced that its ECAC Hockey Tournament quarterfinal series against Harvard would be played before an empty Houston Fieldhouse. There was a concern over the coronavirus. The two confirmed cases in Saratoga County were announced over the weekend. Uh, Mike McGadam and I will talk more about this situation on the College Hockey-centric podcast that we'll have uh, posted on Friday, March 13th. First up is Athletic Director Lee McElroy. We've been working, the university has been working over the past uh, several days to come up with protocol and policies for a pandemic uh, situation. And uh, what led to the decision uh, with regard to the ECAC quarterfinals were the two um, confirmed cases of coronavirus uh, that were reported yesterday about 10 a.m. What about the NCAA come out on Friday say they, they're really recommending not canceling events or spacing out events. Uh, what was your decision to do ahead with try and do this anyway? Yeah, that's a very good question. Um, the NCAA has not been very uh, clear. Uh, their statement has been ambiguous. As you indicated, they said that uh, it's going to case about case basis day by day. They're going to be uh, talking to various institutions. They also have formed a working group of physicians and experts from around the country. Um, Stanford, for example, uh, will not have spectators for their women's basketball postseason. And uh, John Hopkins this weekend did not have spectators for uh, their men's basketball game. So you're seeing different universities apply different things, but our plan has already been implemented and ready to go and trigger run uh, was um, enacted yesterday. What's the reaction been? I know it's been only a couple hours since you guys announced it. but uh, uh, I haven't had any sleep. Um, it's, there's a lot of information about why now, why the timing. Um, as I said before, it's a university decision, not an athletics decision. Uh, the athletics program and the men's hockey program is part of the university. We work very closely with the state. We work very closely with the county health department. You mentioned NCAA, uh, Ken, we work very closely with them and obviously with ECAC and all of our other partners in that conference. So it's been a collective type of thing. Talk to a lot of experts around the country as well as people from MIT and Stanford and other universities. So it's been a collective, very involved, very intense process, and will continue to be so. 
Is it going to, are you going to implement this program with other, the other athletic programs here on campus? Well, we, that's a very good point. We cancel uh, a spring trip for men and women's tennis to California. We have uh, four teams. We're in Florida uh, and one team in South Carolina. They uh, travel over the weekend. Uh, but we're watching it very closely as we move forward. But we canceled two teams that were headed to California uh, on Friday at about uh, noon. Did the state or uh, county give you any recommendations leading towards Well, we, we work very closely, as I said, with the state and with the county uh, relative to our uh, protocol. Well, they were actually involved in our planning. Um, and as you know, uh, when you look at the number of cases in New York, uh, they vary. Most of them have been down south in the Westchester area um, and Long Island. Uh, but it's spreading. I think now the last thing I read, there were 34 states uh, that had confirmed cases. Um, and so a week ago, there weren't 34 states, there weren't 10 states. And so we just don't know what we have, and we are taking precaution uh, to protect our community. How disappointing is this to have this happen for the first, you know, the first time that uh, RPI has been hosting a quarterfinal series since 2013? Well, I've, as I said to many parents today, uh, we have, in my view, and I'm biased, the best fan base uh, in men's college hockey. So not to have them in the building is going to be obviously something that we haven't done before. Uh, but uh, Coach Smith and the team, as you indicated, can have had a fantastic season. Uh, they work very hard, and they'll continue to do what they have to do in order to uh, to have an outstanding contest on over the weekend in the quarterfinals. Any thoughts of maybe uh, piping in artificial noise? We, uh, Dave and I, <laughs> have been talking a lot. He is a very creative coach. Uh, and I go to practices, and it's very interesting. Uh, in the practices, it's Dave, obviously, and our kids and our sports medicine people. But you can see and hear and touch and feel everything. I will be here, obviously, on, on Friday and Saturday. So we'll see what it, uh, what it feels like and what it means. What will go into potentially ending this protocol? Is there something that you guys have to see? Um, that's an excellent point. The, the, uh, at the last uh, sentence, it says, uh, as we review uh, the cases, we'll determine what steps will be implemented going forward. Well, that's a very good point. And uh, what those points are will be determined by the experts, by the doctors, by Dr. Lawrence, who is our point person on campus, by the state. Uh, by the county health uh, folks. Again, we work very closely with them every day and other experts from around the country. So that's a very good point. And so there's a, a TBA on that uh, as we continue to look at it every day. As a matter of fact, when I leave here, I'll be going to another meeting. So there won't be a possibility, I mean, you could change your mind before the end of the week? No, because, it, it, you know, I'm not a physician, but it's two weeks quarantine uh, minimum. These people were just identified on Saturday. And now... Head coach Dave Smith. Dave, uh, your thoughts about this? Here, you know, first time at home for the quarterfinals since 2013. Now you're going to have to play without fans. I mean, how difficult is this going to be? Well, I think what's really important for me as the hockey coach is to go one step at a time. Um, you know, I think like a lot of people, um, it's disappointing because we do have such special fans, and that's the initial step. Um, I'm disappointed for our guys. I'm disappointed for our staff, um, for the fans. But then when we take a step back from that and we think about the, the magnitude of, of something bigger than just Troy, New York and RPI hockey, now we start can move forward again and say, all right, this is so much bigger than one game, one day, 
um, and we started to get our hands around that. It's still, still very fresh for me. I don't, I don't have all the words or all the solutions that I'll even talk with our guys about quite yet. Have you talked to any of the guys yet? I have. I've, I've expressed to them um, any communication that I had, I was sending to them via our communication method and said they can call at any time, and numerous guys have reached out. And their thoughts? They're just asking questions. They're asking questions, and um, very similar to what I expressed earlier, uh, you know, they they love the fans. They love to play here at the Fieldhouse. They, um, I've expressed that it's unfortunate that things out of our control are playing a role in the ch this current chapter, right? It doesn't affect the on ice game or the on and it shouldn't affect our on ice preparation but that home ice advantage is something that they talk about and those but that's been what our conversations have been have you been in a situation like this before i mean it's almost like a scrimmage but it's obviously the playoffs where you're playing in front of no audience uh no how would you prepare yourself for this scenario now i mean uh, do you, do you plan to pipe in some artificial noise during the games you know again i'm going to stay in my lane on this and my lane is to get our players ready um there's times during this the season that we'll pump in music to distract our guys and get them to focus we're not going to do that during the game um while the game's actually being played so my job is to get our athletes focused on the challenge and we'll we'll talk about the challenge um, all week, we'll prepare for the challenge of no crowd and an intense game, and what does that mean for feel and emotions? Um, but honestly, I'm not worried about fan noise or piping in noise. Um, I'm worried about the effort and attitude of our guys. Help me. What's it going to be like? You think? Do you have any idea? Do you feel like it's going to be just be like practice only? The intensities will be ramped up a lot more than just practice. It will not be like practice. This will be a, a quarterfinal playoff game between two teams with no spectators, period. And it's um, a unique environment, but it's also a unique situation. And, you know, I think, right, again, my thoughts are still very fresh as I'm learning some of these things as well, but um, this will be part of the story of this season. And we still have a say in, in how that story gets played out on the ice. Um, and that's some of the things that we'll try and control. Mike McAdam and I will discuss the RPI situation more on the College Hockey Center podcast that will be posted on Friday, March 13th. And now to wrap up this edition of the Parting Shots podcast, I'd like to thank Gazette Sports Editor Mike Kelly for coming on. Also members of the Siena men's basketball team, Siena Athletic Director John Dargenio, RPI Athletic Director Lee McElroy, and RPI men's hockey head coach Dave Smith. The Parting Shots podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and CastBox. Subscribe today. If you have questions for the podcast, you can email them to me at shots, that's S-C-H-O-T-T, at dailygazette.com. The views expressed on the Party Shots podcast are not necessarily those of Gazette newspapers. The Party Shots podcast is the production of Gazette newspapers. I'm Daily Gazette Associate Sports Editor Ken Shots. From the Party Shots podcast studio in Schenectady, New York, good day, good sports.